Oh, no. It's the American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Emmett McConnell, alongside social distancing enthusiast Patrick Murphy. Pat, how you doing? It's been a while. It has been a while, unfortunately. I'm socially distant in my parents' house. It's been a... it's been a tough time for all of us, but happy that we possibly have some MLS coming back our way. Listen, I'm going to skip through some of the pleasantries here because it's been a while. We could spend a long time in this intro going over what's happened to us in the past few months, but that would be boring. Uh, and no soccer has happened in the past few months, so it wouldn't be in tune, in tone with the American Soccer Show. So uh, let's get into it. it. We are back after our second off season with. MLS is back TM, which, well, it's it's the name. <laughs> it's, it's capitalized. That, it's, that was not like <laughs> saying it's back. That's actually the name. It's actually it's certainly a name. I'm not sure it should be the name. You know, all the ways we could have gone with this tournament, a classic MLS to go with the one with basically the least creativity you could possibly imagine. We had the retournament. I saw that being thrown around on Twitter. That would have been a great name. Uh, that's, the, that's clever, yeah. The Real World MLS Edition, the Real World MLS Bubble Edition, either of those. Something with a bubble. Just anything with some real creativity would have been nice to see from MLS. But alas, we're, we're stuck with MLS's back, TM. Bubble Buddies point, 2.0. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I like I like the, the uh, Real World MLS because they're all, you know, the bubble essentially is them all living in a hotel together. So Exactly. Why don't we just get them an Airbnb? <laughs> ten, be- ten bedrooms should fit the whole crew um, it's it sounds more of a statement of what they're doing rather than, and like you know, a slogan for this for a company you know as MLS is. Yes. Um. Anyway, we'll have eight teams are currently in Orlando as we speak, as the recording of this podcast. Uh, and there's been a, a fairly alarming amount of COVID positive tests so far in the real world Orlando, uh, in the Orlando bubble, as it's called, I guess, uh, amongst the insiders. The tournament begins, some quick details before we get into it, tournament begins on the 8th of July uh, and runs until August 11th. Uh, MLS Commissioner Don Garber claims he's going to try to get 18 to 22 more games in after this wraps up. Uh, there will be three group stage games that count towards the league table, so in total we'll have five league games played by the end of this. So he's looking to get at least 23 to 27 of 34 games played. Uh, which isn't too bad considering how much time we've missed, but but it's gonna be a lot of fixture congestion. Now that we got the basics down, if you haven't been following this, if you got your head in the sand, socially distancing from your computer, not following the things, now you get the basics of it. Let's get into the details. Group A, we got the one seed, the big dogs, the alpha, the powerhouse, <laughs> the powerhouse Orlando City SC. I mean, who needs playoffs when you're this good? When you look that good and you're purple. <laughs> Absolutely incredible that MLS had, had really just the gall to say that, you know what, Orlando's the quote-unquote host of this tournament, so they get to be a seeded team in a group, by the way, we should mention, that has six teams. I guess you were always going to have a tough format for this tournament with the 26 total teams, but doing a 16 group has really thrown some wrenches into this whole tournament format in terms of who can advance What's your percentage chance of advancing if you know if you're in the 16 group? I know some people who are better at math than I am have said that you have a worse chance of advancing to the knockout rounds if you are in Group A. Um, but it should be an interesting group overall looking at the teams, Emmett. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I get why they gave Orlando the host team, right? We gave it to South Africa in 2010 <laughs> to be a one seed. Uh, we gave it, we're going to give it to Qatar in 2022. Granted, you know, South Africa did get a fairly tough group. You know, they did get Mexico and France in there somehow. Uh, Russia, you know, they they were the one seed. It happens, right? Okay. If we're going World Cup style format, fine. But on top of that, it's like, all right, but you also have two more teams. Yes. So, and they and they just gave them Miami the date, like hours before the draw, they just decided, you know what, we're just going to put Miami in their group so we can get the, the Sunshine Classico, whatever they're calling it, in the first game of the tournament. I haven't thought of a good name for it yet. Is that what they're calling it? I don't know. I've seen a lot of ones thrown around on Twitter. Who, who knows? Classic MLS something... trying to create a rivalry early, but we'll, we'll see. Something I'm, it's gotta be something Florida related, obviously. Maybe oranges, yeah. panhandle. So they're not in the panhandle. Yeah, neither of them are in the panhandle, so I don't know if that but, fits, Evan. <laughs> I think it fits. The the something it's gotta be alliteration, right? It's gotta start with the P. Yeah, it should just be the Corona Classico. We should really just call it that for the rest of the time. But <laughs> it, it'll hold at their first game. Uh, you will notice over the course of this tournament, uh, of course, that there are quite a lot of derbies, as it were. Uh, some. Um, questions about if the draw was rigged. <laughs> Charlie uh, Davies heard... has way too much integrity to rig that draw from his own home, Emmett. <laughs> that is true. I have heard from Charlie who said that uh, there were some pretty strict guidelines. Uh, he's a good guy. I do, don't think it was rigged. <laughs> but um, maybe it just has to go with how many derbies there are in MLS. If you true. think about it, like in each conference, every team has at least one team. Yeah. Usually exactly. two to three. That... Uh, would be considered a, uh, a derby match, so it's not too too crazy to see that they got mixed up. Uh, and I mean, listen, it's gonna be less fun with no fans there, but it's still a derby, so we'll see how they turn out. Anyway, uh, we mentioned Inter Miami, essentially also a seeded team, given that they were just thrown into the pot. <laughs> exactly. The other teams: New York City FC, my Philadelphia Union, uh, the Chicago Fire, and Nashville SC. Uh, on the surface, this has this reeks of a two-horse race. Yeah, I, this, I, would, I would completely agree. I think you look at the group, and it's... If NYC and Philly... I, three teams are advancing from this group, and I believe you can't advance as the fourth-place team, correct? So only three three teams and three teams only will advance from this group, if I understand the rules correctly. And I think NYCFC and Philly will both be kicking themselves if they don't both advance from this group. They have to play each other, because you don't play everyone in this group. They do have to play each other, but still, looking at the other teams, they are the two strongest teams on paper by far. Uh, for sure, I th- I think Chicago Fire, uh, with some changes made, um, you know, maybe some offseason time, they're able to gel into Miami. Looked good in their first two games. Mm-hmm. Orlando, perennial. <laughs> the host, the host, always goes through at the World Cup, Emmett. Tell that to South Africa. Yeah. Uh, the only team that Nash- hasn't is South Africa, by the way. I believe that's a fact. Poor, yeah. poor, poor Bafana Bafana. Yeah. They'll always have that goal in the opener. Yeah, that was sweet. Uh, <laughs> Nashville, in their opening games, hasn't really looked to mesh just yet, which is yeah. normal from an expansion team. I think that, like, all things considered, you got to give them a break this year. But I can't uh, pick a team with Don Baji up top to advance. I just can't do it, Emmett. Yeah. Was it last year where uh, Matt Doyle... Our, the lovely MLS soccer's <laughs> Matt Doyle had Dom Badgie as being a top, you know, 
an elite goal scorer, and I, I had to tweet at him. I, I don't do it often. He says the same and things I, about every Red Bull striker. You know, it's just you got to let it go, Emmett. <laughs> I had to tell him, hey, bud, Badgie hasn't scored more than eight goals in a single season. <laughs> Why do you think he's going to do it now? The dude's 29. <laughs> uh, so they, I think they're going to struggle. They have um, Hanny Mukhtar, who looks pretty good, but... Right now, I'm going to give my rankings. I think New York City is going to finish first. The Union just usually don't do well. And I think NYC, against New York City, of course, I think they're going to win that game, uh, and that'll give them the edge to to finish first in this group. Uh, second, I got the Union. I just, you know, based on this, I, I think schedule plays into some somewhat, but I think the Union are just the second best team here. And then I think the third is kind of that wild card that every other group also has, in yeah. a way. Uh, but I'm going to go with Chicago because I like the changes they made in the offseason. I think Robert Barrich is potentially the best forward in the group. Uh, and other than the fact that they have uh, Francisco Calvo, who you could replace with a, you could replace the traffic cone, you could replace with a grain of sand. I don't think it would make much of a difference. I think the grain of sand would have less red cars, Emmett. <laughs> the grain of sand. I don't know. I've seen some people trip on the field. You know, That's trip fair. over a line on the field. So a grain of sand might get sent off. Uh, it's the, the band's a liability is what I'm trying to say. We saw him absolutely whiff against New England Revolution uh, to give concede a goal, and he's the David Luiz of MLS. Yes, which perfect, perfect comparison. Yeah, you love to see, and what better place than the dumpster Chicago Fire, dumpster <laughs> fire, uh, to have him? But I still think that they're good enough in this group of, you know two expansion teams and, as I said, perennial loser Orlando. Yeah, we're, so we're in agreement on the first two. I, I'm, I'll go with NYC to win the group, Philly to come second. As we said, clearly the two best teams in the group. I think NYC, they had a bit of a rough start their first couple games, but they played a man down against Columbus for almost the entire game in that first game. Um, they do have the new coach, but in terms of personnel continuity, I think no one had more in MLS coming into the season than them. They basically returned the entire team. So I like them to finish first. Philly, clear second best in this group. They have a clear style of play that Ernst Tanner and Jim Carton have installed. So they're clearly the second favorite. And I'm going with the host bump. I'm going with Orlando, baby, to go through in third place here. I don't love any of these teams, as we said. I don't think any of them are super strong. And, uh, yeah, I'll go with Orlando to win that, uh, that Sunshine Classico, the Corona Classico, and eventually go through in third place. So you have them not falling to the usual pitfalls uh, of the Bafana Bafana of 2010. <laughs> Bafana uh, Bafana are the exception. Every other host at the World Cup has gone through. So I'm going with Orla- I'm going with Orlando. Uh, I can't help think of the meme. Of, I think it was from like Reddit where someone was talking about the Chicago Fire winning a World Cup, and I'm just thinking about <laughs> it now. Here's a chance for Chicago Fire to and truly Bastion win to truly win a World <laughs> Cup. Sorry, Bastion, you might have missed out. Yeah, Orlando doesn't have a bad shout. Uh, they face off in the opening match against Inter Miami. They then face New York City, which historically they've actually done pretty well against. Yeah, earning quite a few draws and wins, and then they finish against Nashville. So an easy so, draw for them. Nashville's yeah, so the they, worst team. They have the two expansion teams, and then NYC. Yeah. Uh, so that's not a bad shout. The Union, of course, start against New York City. They ha- then face. Uh, Nashville, and then enter Miami. Uh, so they also basically have the same exact opponents as Orlando City, mm-hmm. um, which you could potentially say is easier. The easiest, I think the two easiest opponents personally would be Orlando 
and Nashville, Orlando as a host. We don't know how much of an impact Orlando as a host has. Yeah. There's no fans. I mean, in They're theory, not playing at their in, stadium. In theory, they it's have none. a longer drive to go home. <laughs> yeah, in theory, it's none. But I'm going with it anyway. I also just want to point out fun fun aspect of this group: your Philadelphia Union and NYCFC, which should also be the best game of the group, will be involved in what I assume. I, you know, I'm not a league historian, but I would assume is the first morning beers matchup in the history of MLS next Thursday, July 9th, 9 a.m. on ESPN. NYCFC versus Philly Union. We've seen how much the European matches early in the morning have drawn huge ratings. Hopefully, they can start it out with a bang, NYC and Philly. That's ambitious, considering they now have to go up against the Euro snobs who will That's only true. watch the EPL. So if you're an MLS fan and you're listening to this, which if you're not an MLS fan, why are you listening to this? <laughs> this is ass, after uh, all. <laughs> this is Well, you can't say that on air. <laughs> we do have a claim tag. We have some uh, reputation to uphold. Uh you do have to, you know, you'll have to come out MLS fans and force uh, and bump up those ratings artificially. Do what you can. Buy some bots. Get some Russian bots out there. Do we're it. not condoning it, <laughs> but we're just asking nicely. Uh, Inter-Miami, uh, I actually like how they play. I just think that they have some adjusting to do. They're still new. They absolutely terrorized, I thought, DC United in the, uh, the, the last game before things broke up. But they, of also... course, face... Orlando in the first, uh, they'll finish up against Philadelphia, um, and they play Chicago. So, potentially, it's not the hardest, because they get to skip New York City yeah. uh, as the strongest team. But And that's why I say schedule comes into this a lot, because if you're able to avoid New York City, I think it goes a long way. That's fair. Because Philadelphia is awful outside of their home stadium. Awful. Yeah. I do also like, I, it's not going to matter for the tournament, but recent uh, news, they signed... Leandro Gonzalez-Perez, former Atlanta guy who just had a cup of coffee with Tijuana and now is coming back to the league. Uh, he can't play in the tournament, but I like that move moving forward for them. Really solid in Atlanta. He had a Tijuana Espresso, yeah. as we call it, <laughs> uh, and he will not be able to play in the tournament because of COVID guidelines, but mm-hmm. uh, a good signing. I actually uh, was thinking about this the other day. In Miami defense, I've actually been impressed by a couple of their players. Yeah, Figal uh, has looked great, I thought. Figal. Figal looks like a younger David Luiz, very error-prone, but the kind of aggressive defender in a three-man back line where there's yeah. room for mistakes, uh, especially playing on the side. I thought Jose, I think it's Jose Antonio Reyes, um, was kind of that um, able to sweep up in the back, kind of almost like a Miles Robinson running back, kind of covering his, def- his, uh, his other defenders. Roman Torres actually looked like the weak link to me, getting a red card against DC. Yeah, uh, he, lo- he looked a little chunky. A little slow, uh, and uh, though LGP isn't kind of that center of the three guy, he, he's kind of a little bit more of a Luis Figal type. Uh, we'll see how he fits in with that lineup, but it's given his history, that is a good signing. Uh, so there you have it. That is our um, one, two, three for me. Once again, New York City, Philadelphia Union, Chicago Fire. I put Inter Miami fourth, Orlando fifth, and Nashville SC sixth. Uh, Pat, you had the same first two with, I believe, Orlando the host third. Um, I can't, I don't believe any other teams make it. Uh, but what did you have for fourth, fifth, and sixth? Um, so for fourth, if you I, thought that far. So for fourth, I would go with Chicago. I agree with a lot of stuff you said about Chicago. I think they've made some good moves. I just think it's tough to kind of integrate all those guys uh, this quickly. They've also at like some guys are going to be healthy now who weren't at the beginning of the season for them. Um, and they did look pretty good to start the year. So I would say them fourth. I would go with Miami fifth. Um, and then Nashville. I feel bad for Nashville, but I think they're just clearly the weak team here. I think this will be a tough tournament. 
Um, the, my, actually, my biggest concern about my rankings is the Philadelphia Union. I wouldn't be surprised if they finished third or even fourth. You come up against a loss against New York City, which isn't too crazy to think. They do struggle against them. True. And now you're looking at needing to beat uh, Inter-Miami and needing to beat Nashville. Not that that's not impossible, um, but if either of those teams get... Uh, give you trouble, and you only pull out a draw. Say, uh, it their, you know, their tournament's essentially over, that with four points and five teams to fight for those spots. It's going to be tough. Let's move on to Group B. Moving out west, we have a real one seed here in MLS Cup holders: Seattle, FC Dallas, San Jose Earthquakes, and Vancouver Whitecaps. Which, um, I did in fact not read out in the order that they were picked, but I did read in the order that I picked them. I do think Seattle finishes first here. I think Dallas. Here's my big worry. With nine cases within the staff, uh, one staff member and eight team members, will that affect how they play? Will they be able to play a full team? Um, And, you know, will they, you know, if the cases pick up, you know, they've been on planes together, been in close contacts, is there more people who come? And is this an Orlando Pride situation for Dallas? Uh, that's my one worry about putting them second. Uh, I have San Jose third. If if that COVID situation in the Dallas locker room, in that Dallas real-world locker room steps up, I would do think the Earthquakes come up in the second. And Vancouver project is not there yet. Uh, they're in fourth for me. Yeah, I, I think the Dallas thing is very concerning. It goes into, obviously, a larger question about the tournament itself and should they even really be playing this tournament. Um, I also think all of those... It could depend on testing um, from before they left, but all of those cases, those positive tests, have come since they actually arrived in Orlando, obviously. So everyone tested clear, and since they've gotten there, nine different people, as you said, involved with the team have tested positive. So obviously that's a huge worry. Um, I think that's just so many players, um, or, or it's eight players and one coach, like you said. Um, so that's obviously a huge question with them. I think looking at the rest of the group, Seattle is a clear favorite, I think, especially with Dallas uh, having multiple cases of coronavirus so far. Um, they're the strongest team in the group. They're an established winner. They're the MLS Cup holders. I think they're the obvious favorite. San Jose is kind of a, they're kind of a dark horse pick, I guess, in that um, you know they've got a manager that a lot of people like. They fell up short last year at the end of the year, uh, kind of ran out of gas and missed the playoffs. And they do play a physically demanding style, though. That's another thing I'm, I'm worried about with them for the tournament. Um, they also haven't trained much, obviously. They run that man-to-man press um, that Al- Matias Almeida likes to employ. And that'll be tough in the heat and in a tournament format to uphold. And then Vancouver is maybe the disaster in MLS at the moment. I mean, they, obviously they haven't had much success lately. They also just they hired CEO Mark Panis, I believe is his name, in January, and they fired him like three weeks ago after only five months on the job, and the team only played two games. There were tons and tons of fans on social media uh, calling out, um, basically like revolting against the ownership of the team. Panis's father had like just passed away as well before they fired him, Oof. and they've just been getting so much crap. The ownership of the team, they also just don't have a super strong roster. So I'm I'm not expecting much from Vancouver, but Maybe the team itself will rally around all this. Ownership, one of the most important things in sports. Uh, Vancouver, obviously, showing a bit of lacking leadership. Uh, I was interested to see what Mark DeSantos was going to do there. Uh, The first season last year in 2019, uh, I got into an argument with a Vancouver fan, some Vancouver fans online, saying, 
when they got a Huang and Baum saying they said, "Oh, this guy's great. This guy's great." I said, "He came from the second division in Korea. Are you sure <laughs> that this is going to be your difference maker?" And they said, "Well, you just haven't watched him." Well, I don't know if if the Premier League signed a big talent from the USL Championship, I would question that as well. <laughs> that said, Inbaum's been one of their best players. I was going to say, I like Inbaum, but the rest of the team is just not up to snuff. But is Inbaum a playoff caliber team DP playmaker? I, think I he's, don't think so. He, he's played I think a lot he's good a, for where he is. Yeah, and I think he's played a lot of eight for them too, right? Like, I don't even know if he always plays as a ten for them, but... No, he doesn't play as a 10, but he yeah. is kind of the creative influence. That's true. Uh, Dos Santos yeah. likes that 4-3-3 with two eights rather yeah. than a 10, uh, giving them some defensive cover. Uh, there was, I guess, defensive midfield. Uh, John Arise wasn't doing it for them last year. They did sign Lucas Cavallini, um, Canadian international striker, but they also signed the year before Freddie Montero, who yeah. was for, former uh, MLS great. Uh, they signed... Um, you know, they had three forwards last year, all of which were expected to do good things, uh, none of which really came up that big for them. So I'm wondering if it's this, the team, if it's the formation, the tactics, or if it's the forwards themselves. We'll see with Lucas Cavallini. We'll see if he's the guy who comes from Liga Emekis, I believe, with Puebla. Uh, and he's a good player, but, uh, you know, Vancouver did make some additions, but I, do, I don't think that they can pull it out. Um, Earthquakes, I think he made a great point with the press. Uh, which is why I currently have Dallas second. I think that they have a bit more depth. They have the youngsters willing to step up. Uh, and with this, I think with this type of format, like these first three games, you can just push your team to the limits, but then very quickly you're going to fall apart by that third game uh, if if you're not rotating. Uh, that's your group B. Um, what we'll do is we'll go through all these groups and then we'll pick our third place contenders. That sounds good. Uh, uh, so... Um, group C, Toronto, New England Revolution, Montreal Impact, and DC United. Once again, that is my order. Uh, Toronto, uh, MLS Cup finalists, Eastern Conference champions. I think this is one of those groups that's up in the air in that other than Toronto, none of the other three teams inspire all that much hope. You know, you don't have a top five team in the East over here. Uh, maybe DC United was last year, but those first two games, boy, were they bad. They came out with one win against Inter Miami. They needed a red card, uh, and they just got they were made to look silly by the Colorado Rapids. Uh, Montreal, of course, they at least had a couple more games with the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, but under Thierry Henry, I'm not sure what they're going to look like. Uh, I'm not sure if they're any better. I still think that their squad is a bit lacking, especially in defense which is why I have the New England Revolution finishing second here. Bruce Arena, I think he's done good at this team. And, of course, my favorite, your favorite, everybody's favorite little Spaniard, Carlos <laughs> Hill, uh, is is going to take this team to new levels along with Gustavo Bo. Yeah, I agree. I actually like New England to win this group uh, in a bit of a surprise. Uh, I think Bruce is a good tournament coach. He's a, uh, Obviously, we've seen him in World Cups really? before. How did he do with the um, World Cup qualifying? Was it well, that go over well? I can't remember. That's that's not a tournament, but yeah, I, I do know he's he's struggling. Uh, well, he's I think struggling. the hex is pretty similar to a group stage, is it not? Well, you don't play three games in four days in a or whatever three games. I, I was talking more about the 2002 World Cup. Obviously, the 2006 okay, World the 2006 World Cup got to bust not, some chops here. The 2006 World Cup did not go Bruce's way, and I'm not going to apologize for Bruce 
making a mockery of the World Cup qualification for 2018. I want an Cause, apology. Because he, because you, for Bruce, because <laughs> he blew all of that. Uh, and I completely, you know, I'm not a Bruce Arena, you know, homer or anything like that. But I do think he's a good personality coach. I think he's a guy who can cr- keep a group together um, well under a tournament format when you're playing only a few days and or a few games in a few days. Um, and like you said, the most important thing, their best player is now back. And in that sense, the long break helps them because Carlos Hill was out at the beginning of the season. Um, and he's probably the best player on this team. They also have the new, I believe he's a DP, Adam Buxa, uh, playing up top for them. Gustavo Bo is a strong player as well in the attacking midfield. Um, so I like New England a lot. I think they're going to win the group. Um, the real question for me was between second and uh, second place here. Uh, I think I eventually decided to go with Toronto. Uh, I think the question, as always, in tournament format is, can Josie Altador hold up over an entire tournament? I think the group stage, hopefully he can. Um, but playing so many games in so few days has always been a problem for him. I mean, we've seen him get hurt on international duty countless times. Again, in some sense, the long break helps them because now Michael Bradley is back. He's obviously very important to their team. Um, but I like Montreal's chances as well. I think they're – I'm not really sure what they're doing up top at striker. They're, they're really lacking a clear striker. They were playing kind of a 3-5-2 with Boyan and Aruti up there a bunch. They did get some reps under Henri because of the Champions League, and they did have some success there. Um, so I do like that he's kind of established early on that they're going to play a 3-5-2. I thought Zach Brogillard looked really good for them at right wing back. Um, they added Victor Wanyama. I'm a Spurs fan, so obviously I'm partial to Victor Wanyama. Um, so yeah, tough I like that. It's a yeah. tough life. <laughs> I like I like Montreal to make some noise in this group. I don't think they're going to finish second, but I think they're a definite candidate to be one of the third place teams that goes through. And then DC. You know me. I'm a Red Bulls fan. I'm never high on D.C. I wasn't high on them last year. I wasn't high on them to start this year. I, I just I don't think their roster is that good. I, you know, like you said, their their first few games, they looked not, like just not great at all. They got beat. I believe they got beat by Miami in their second match. They lost their first match to Colorado in a game that they were outplayed. They and actually, I, just, I believe, they pulled out the win against Miami. Oh, they did beat of Miami. A red card. They got a red card. Ah, right. Roman Torres uh, got a red kind card. Of a, uh, in the beginning of the second half, it was a. I, I was there, so this is why. Um, you know, I'm rattling this off. There was a uh, free kick that kind of just like scrambled its way in, and then a penalty. Gotcha. Yeah, but still, they haven't been impressive. I watched the whole Colorado match. Their first game, they were outplayed at home by Colorado. I yep. just don't. I'm not super high on them. I don't think Ben Olsen's a super great coach either, to be honest. So DC is my last place pick for this group. Yeah, that's my big worry. I think there is some talent in there, but when you're starting to rely on Red Bull and Vancouver Whitecap reject Felipe to be in charge of that yeah. midfield, Felipe's trouble. He's up there, man. He's up there in age now too. He's he's not the guy you Felipe, want to rely on. When DC United flipped the switch on uh, Inter Miami, and imagine this: Inter Miami with ten men dominated most of the second half in possession against DC United. Uh, he was playing the 10, Felipe. Yeah, that's not what you want. <laughs> that's not what you want. They haven't really figured out how to play Gressel. He doesn't play... You know, I think he's best at, like, right mid, right wing back. Yeah, Atlanta kind of, utilized him to perfection as a wing back. He's good enough to play center mid, uh, and DC United needs center mids, but he kind of plays in their 4-3-3 as kind of a right mid in the half space. Yeah. Uh, it... it it's weird because then uh, Russell Canals has been playing right back. He doesn't really know if he should overlap or tuck inside as a defensive midfielder. Uh, 
Uh, and then Edison Flores on the right wing is cutting inside. So you would think Russell should be sliding out with uh, Flores cutting in, but they haven't really figured that out tactically. Um, you look at the Wayne Rooney-Lucho Acosta combo, and Ola Kamara and Edison Flores aren't there yet. I yeah. think Edison Flores, from what I've seen, can be. But uh, the rest of that team uh, is not there just yet. And my biggest problem with you, I think, is Ben Olsen and his tactics. So that's why they're there. I, I think he'll get outcoached by all three of the other people here. Uh, Agreed. Boy Henri. Uh, with Impact, I, lo- I do like Bo- Boyan. I think Aruti's fine. He's, you know, probably the worst striker of the th- of the four teams. Yes, I would agree. They haven't really figured out if they're going to play with a pure nine. Uh, but with Victor Wanyama, they potentially have one of the stronger midfields now. And that's my biggest problem with New England, meanwhile, is Wilfred Zahibo's been playing for them, and he looks like he has no knee joints. Yeah. He, just sticks out his, <laughs> he just sticks out his legs like he's trying to trip people. Uh, yeah, I don't really trust him either. That's a fair point. <laughs> uh, New England really lacking a midfield. Their defense looks stronger, but they almost look like a 4-6 at times. So that could be their downfall and how teams exploit them. There you have it. There's Group C. Moving on to Group D out in the West. Uh, and they call it Group D for the Group of Death. Yes. You have Minnesota United, Colorado Rapids, Sporting KC, and Real Salt Lake. Uh, I think this is the Group of Death because there really are no weak teams I think the West isn't that weak anymore. Uh, it doesn't really have weak links anymore, other than Vancouver. Uh, Colorado looked really good in their opening games. Very good. Uh, sporting Kansas City, despite not making the playoffs last year, is a perennial top team in the West. Minnesota has looked really good this year. And Real Salt Lake, of course, for some reason, the enemy of the American soccer show, uh, <laughs> was, uh, was a seeded team here. They, you know, they finish, I believe, third in the West, uh, which earned them uh, a top seed here. Uh, I actually have it in the order. I have Minnesota first. I didn't think this was going to be their year. Uh, I, I thought that with aging Ozzy Alonso, uh, with kind of losing Darwin Quintero and Angelo Rodriguez, not that they were good for them last year, but that they would be missing something. They didn't make enough additions. But Luis yeah. Amaria at striker has looked good. Um and he's kind of diverse enough that he he moves out to the wings. He comes back. He's not that pure number nine, and it makes defenders worry about him because he's moving off them. He's overloading on the wings. He's overloading in the midfield. Uh, the big worry for Minnesota, though, will be no Ike Parra as of now. Exactly. Re- reigning defender, MLS defender of the year. Um, that could be an issue, but I, I think Minnesota's strength doesn't come from Opara in defense as much as it does Ozzy Alonso and Jan Gregouche in front of them, helping shield uh, along with um, you know their ability to defend as a unit. Uh, I think Roman Metinier, probably the best right back in MLS for me. So I think they can make up for it. Uh, Tyler Miller, they lost uh, Vito Manone, their big Italian presence in goal, but I think <laughs> Tyler Miller's good enough. And I think they pull it out just based off of their form coming into the season, coming out of the season. Yeah, I actually am going the other way. I think Minnesota could be a team that flounders here. I think this group overall is very strong, but I have Minnesota as of right now finishing last in this group, uh, which, again, just shows you the group of death aspect that we talked about. And I do also want to point out uh, there were only two games played by all teams, obviously, before uh, we went to the coronavirus break, but four teams started the year with all six points, One, you know, both of their matches. Three of those teams are in this group, SKC, Colorado, and Minnesota. 
So obviously these teams have all started the year well. RSL looked pretty good too to start the year. Um, but I have Minnesota finishing last in the group because of – I think losing Echo Par will be a bit of a bigger deal than, than uh, you said. I think their defense was intact basically the entire year last season. They started the same back four – uh, the entire season, and it was clearly the strength of their team that they had that great back for. You take Ike Opara out, I'm honestly not sure. I'm not super familiar with the depth of their roster, who's going to start in his place. Um, but I think that's a big, big question for them. And then also, I know Amaria looked good early on. Uh, they scored eight goals in their first two games, which is very unlike them last season, so obviously that's a good sign. But I'm still not entirely convinced by their attack. I'm not sure that they can hold up and score enough goals over these few games. I still don't super trust Ethan Finley. I'm not a huge fan. Um, Kevin Molino, I'm not a super big fan either. I feel like he's a guy that we're always waiting to see more from. Um, so I have Minnesota finishing fourth, actually, in this tournament. I like SKC as the group favorite. I think they started the year very very strong as well, as I said. Um, Polito is a great addition from them. I think they have something to prove because of the way they missed the playoffs last year. And then my ultimate dark horse team, who I picked to finish second, and I think is going to make a deep, deep run in this tournament, is Colorado. I thought they looked great to start the year. Robin Frazier, they've all bought into him as the coach. Um, I saw one betting website, if you're if you're going that route, had them at 50-1 to 1 odds to win the whole tournament, which I think is easily the best value of any team if you can get that. I think they're an incredibly strong team. They look good to start the year. They added another uh, talented attacker from Argentina for this tournament, Brian Galvan, who's only 19 years old. I think their attack could use a little more creativity. So I like Colorado as a lot as a sleeper. And then RSL, as you said, the enemy of the American soccer show. We, we, I think we're contractually, God obligated. Knows we're contractually obligated to only give them 10 seconds of, of airtime. So I'll just say RSL is RSL. They do what they do every year. I don't know who their number nine is. I guess it's Demir Krylock. They'll probably finish third because they're RSL. I have them finishing fourth just because it's such a tough group. Colorado second. I have Sporting Casey third. This was really tough for me. I kept switching back and forth. But I think I don't think Colorado will win the whole tournament. I think something will go wrong for them. They'll hit one bump in the road, and that'll be enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I like him as a dark horse, but I have him finishing second just because of how well Robin Fraser has him playing. They look as a unit. However, they did lose Sam Nicholson, Scottish uh, international uh, mutually agreed to terminate contract. Um, Casey, they're good. Polito, good sign. They finally have a forward. After how many years they exactly. finished first without a forward. Um, it could be the difference for them. I think that those three all get out, though. I'm going to give you a spoiler for my third-place team, Sporting Kansas City. That's one fair. Of them. Yeah. I think Salt Lake City is more of a second-half-of-the-season team, which we didn't mention about Seattle. They got to skip the first half of the season. They usually are terrible. This is great for them. Yes. I think Salt Lake City will... Take a take an L in this tournament and come back and have a good regular season. So Group D, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, as we said, the Group of Death. Uh, it looks like we all we both all both of us had Real Salt Lake last. Did you have Real Salt Lake uh, last? Yes, I did. No, sorry, uh, that's so not true. I had Minnesota I, last. I had RSL third. Minnesota last. So there you go. I had Minnesota first. You had him last. Uh, this is a tough group to predict, and I don't think anybody can blame anyone if this one goes poorly <laughs> for one of us. So no holding that over our heads. Uh, let's move on to Group E. Uh, this is, of course, the, uh, the the Derby group, I guess. Uh, Atlanta, New York Red Bulls, Columbus, FC Cincinnati. This is your group. You're loving it because you got two teams that could, couldn't even get out of the basement last year. 
uh, in the two Ohio teams, Columbus and Cincinnati. Here's what I was thinking. Of all the derbies, right? We, uh, and I could go back and talk about all of them. Uh, we kind of missed some, but uh, some from the from the East so far. Obviously, with the Florida derby, uh, we had uh, Toronto versus the Montreal Impact. Uh, in this one, Atlanta versus the Red Bulls. Doesn't really have a name. We have the Hell is Real derby between uh, Columbus and Cincinnati. What does the Atlanta Red Bull derby become? Because that that yeah. is a derby now. It, it's been taken it, that serious. That rivalry is a legit. Because MLS, we all know, tries to create these rivalries before they even happen. That's why they put Miami and Orlando in the first game. They, they, And I'm sure a rivalry would have been created there anyway because of the proximity, but they try to create these rivalries. The Atlanta Red Bulls rivalry is so great because it's a genuine on-the-field rivalry, and we played them in their first game. We stole a win from them in the first ever game that Atlanta United played, and ever since, there's just been a lot of bad blood between the teams. The coaches don't like each other, so it's just a real genuine rivalry. I I don't think there's a name for it, but the teams hate each other. Uh, they're opening up the group as well on Big Fox, which is going to be great. So I, I, I'm very excited for this group. The Five Bull Derby? That's nothing. How about the that's You Stole Our Team Colors Derby? Because that's what that's what Atlanta did. <laughs> the the Red, Black, and Gold Derby? What are they, Red, Black, and Gold? The, me- the Metro Stars were Red, Black, and Gold, damn it. The, I, the who? Stop it. Stop it. Okay, now we're talking about made-up teams like Don't Chivas do this. USA. we got to talk about real teams. Uh, no, but, you know, we love – at least it's a better team name than the Red Bulls. Sorry. Monster I think Energy, everyone. I United. think everyone agrees with that. <laughs> uh, so I, like, once again, read mine in order. I have Atlanta finishing first, Red Bull second, then Columbus and Cincinnati. I think Atlanta will, without Joseph Martinez – Will you know even with a draw to the Red Bulls, which I think will happen, I think they'll roll over Columbus and Cincinnati. Uh, but I think that the Red Bulls will struggle against Columbus or Cincinnati once. They won't be able to break them down. They'll get hit on the counterattack. The Red Bull Twitter will blow up like, <laughs> "Oh, we hate Chris Armis. He can't break down a defense," uh, and that'll be what puts them in second. I think the big thing that people are looking for in this tournament, obviously besides Joseph Martinez being out and the big boy Adam John. Not a big man yet. He's still a big boy. <laughs> Needing to be the forward, probably, uh, for Atlanta. Is what is this Caleb Porter Columbus team going to look like with uh, Darlington Nagby in the midfield? Yeah, I think Columbus. Uh, you mentioned at the top when we t- when we started talking about the group that they were uh, you know kind of a basement dweller last year. But I think a lot of people like them as a trendy dark horse team. Uh, I mean, I think everyone believes in Caleb Porter. They like the Nagby addition. Zella Ryan looked good to start the year. I know their first game, and they played a man up essentially the whole game against NYC, but they did beat NYC. Um, I think Columbus is uh, going to be a really tough out in this whole tournament uh, and, and in this group, of course. I think they're a strong team. They've got a lot of established MLS guys. Zardis is a guy who we know can score goals, even though us national team fans wish he was not tasked with doing so for the national team. He's a solid MLS striker. They've got a solid team. Atlanta, as you mentioned, they've got to be the favorite in this group, um, even without Joseph. I, I picked them to win the group. They have such a strong team. Barco and PT look like they were getting on the same page before um, the coronavirus break as well. Uh, they got some Champions League reps in, so they were able to play some more games than most of the other teams. I uh, should note, out, uh, note as well that Atlanta's gone out and s- signed another very good player who won't be eligible for the tournament, Jurgen Dom but just shows you know how active they've been in the market. And a sh- they've been linked to a Paraguayan 18-year-old striker as well to maybe fill that void for Joseph when the regular season picks up again. Um, then with the Red Bulls, I picked us to finish second in the group. I got to be confident in my squad. I really 
don't think we're a great team, to be honest. We were able to start the year with um, a win and a draw at RSL, which was a decent result, even though I don't think we played super well. I am very worried about our production up top. I think that's the biggest question for us. It was the biggest question for us last year. Brian White and Tom Barlow kind of playing up top by worst strikers. Yeah, they are in the, the worst strikers in the league. I think it's uh, except for Nashville. Don Badgie's worse than them. But besides him, I think okay, I think they're okay. the worst strikers in the league. That's fair. I, I'm getting pretty tired of people um, like Matt Doyle talking about how productive the two of them have been. Uh, I think Brian White's fine as a backup striker in MLS. Uh, but he's our first choice striker. Tom Barlow is a USL player. No disrespect to Tom Barlow, but he's a USL player. Um, so that that's Sorry, the big Tom. question for us. And then the last team, Cincinnati. I mean, look, it's going to be really tough for them. I will say they've played both the Red Bulls and Atlanta already this before the restart. Those were their two games. Uh, they lost both of them. They looked pretty good against us in the game we played them better, um, which I thought was alarming for the Red Bulls. Um, but I think it's just going to be very tough for them. Good on them to extend the loan for uh, Jurgen Locadia, who looks like he's going to be one of their big talents playing up top for them. But also they now got the new coach, Yap Stam, who's going to have to learn on the fly a whole lot of crap here about MLS that's going to be uh, probably a very tough adjustment for him, um, even though he was obviously uh, a legendary player in his day. And I'm sure he'll be a solid coach for them. But I think too much to overcome for Cincinnati. I have them finishing fourth, so that means Columbus slots in at third for me. I don't think Cincinnati has completely addressed the issues facing them last year. Yes, they had no attack. Yes, they had no defense. Now they have an attack, but Their they still line, have no defense. It's unbelievable. Defense. They gave up a billion goals last year, and they have like the exact same back line. It makes no sense to me. And here's the difference. is I added Harris Medunian in, in the six. Uh, he's a guy who provides a lot offensively. Uh, in getting that ball forward, I think he'll link up with Jurgen Locadia a lot, uh, getting him behind. However, you still have that same back line, except now you have a worse player defending. Exactly. Uh, they have more goals than them. They've scored three goals in those first two games against Atlanta and New York City. They have to play Atlanta and New York, not New York City, New York Red Bulls. They have to play them again, so they'll be both of their games against them out of the way. The rest of the season should sensibly be easier, mm-hmm. but... With Kendall Waston, Nick Hagland, I mean, Greg Garza, I don't. who knows if he'll ever play. I don't think that this team is ready. I don't. They're still an expansion team. This feels like their first real expansion year, whereas last year they felt like a USL team. So I think they're going to get. I think they're going to lose every game. I don't think the Hell is Real Derby will have nearly as much impact without fans. So they're last. Columbus, as much as I gave them, I gave them some crap for having a bad year last year. But it's worth noting that they have the two best fullbacks in the league, in my mind, yes. and they were missing both of them for most of, if not all of the season. So now they're going to come back with Milton Valenzuela, a DP at left back, and Harrison Affel, uh, top five right back in the league, uh, giving them actual offensive uh, production. Because I like Pedro Santos. He's a DP, but he's not a, a high-end product kind of guy. He's a t- very talented player, but he almost plays as a midfielder in a way. He's like a, he's like a left midfielder as opposed to yeah. a winger. Uh, that or a right midfielder, and that allows uh, the fullbacks to get around him. He comes in field uh, when he's on that right side. So uh, I think that they are stronger now than they've been a long time. They have Darlington Nagby. They have Archer. Uh, they gave up Will Trapp so that they could do that. I was a big fan of Archer when he joined the league. He kind of struggled alongside Will yeah. Trapp. Uh, but at this point, I think they're one of the dark horses to go forward. 
Uh, I'm just not sure that they've had enough time to gel just yet. Uh, and with Atlanta, of course, the big question is, is Joseph, but they're still a strong team. Um, of course, Frank DeBoer will be under the hot seat if they drop any points in this. He is always kind of the one variable of, if something goes wrong, well, Tata didn't have that problem. True. Uh, same thing with Red Bulls and uh, Chris Armas. So there you have it. That's Group E. Uh, on to the last group, Group F. In the West, uh, no surprise here, we got the two LA teams in one group. LA Galaxy, <laughs> no way. LA FC. We, we got an El Trafico, <laughs> except there won't be traffic this time, so it's uh, an LA Classico, I guess. Uh, Portland Houston round out the rest of this group. Uh, I think that when you look at MLS, the parity in leagues makes this tournament very interesting because most of these groups don't have a team that you would say, oh, sure, this is going to be a last-place group. And once again, I think that we could probably say that here, outside of maybe two groups so far, we could say that. Uh, but I'm going to have Houston at the bottom of this one. I know they've made some positive changes, but they've been small. Their ownership has been poor. And I don't think that they're going to get out. The one person challenging them, and person I should say team, is Portland Timbers, who, f- despite themselves, can't seem to stop playing poorly. Despite having talent, despite adding new players, can't seem to stop playing poorly. Uh, I still have them finishing second, because the Galaxy started the season awfully, uh, which I guess will give you my rundown. LAFC in first, despite no Carlos Vela. I mean, Brian Rodriguez, I don't think. You know, while being worse than Vela, I don't think that he's any worse than what LAFC is. I think he will play the same way that they do. Uh, I think he doesn't hurt the team. He's just not Carlos Vela. They still have Diego Rossi. They have Adama Diomande. He's old. He's aging. But they have Bradley Wright Phillips. He's old. He's aging. But at least they have, you know, they have some forwards there who can slot in. And they're still the, you know, the great LAFC we saw. No Walker Zimmerman. We'll see how Dejan Yakovic steps in there. He's done fine so far, you know, all things considered. Uh, But they've still got to be favorites, despite that. Yeah, I I agree on LAFC. I think they're still the favorite for sure. Um, They added Andy Nahar uh, at left back for them. Um, I think he's – is he eligible to play in the tournament? I think he is. Um, I could be wrong about that. Um, But I think they still have the strongest team in this group, even missing Vela. Um, I think there was a lot of talk about whether or not Vela would play. I think unsurprising, to be honest, that he's not going to be there. Um, But, yeah, I think they're still the strongest team. A lot of talent up top for them. I think looking at the rest of the group, I've got a bit of a surprise. I like Houston to finish second in this group and advance. I know they're not a super strong team. I do think that Houston is a team that will sit back and just look to counter and play exactly the way uh, inferiorly talented teams should play in a tournament like this. And I think they have two game breakers up top in Elise and Mora Minotas. Hopefully they can get those guys in good form. Um, so I think that Houston is a dark horse a little bit in this group because I'm not super confident in these two other teams. Like you said, Portland, they just they just never – every time I watch them play, they just uh, – the past, like, year or so, basically since Savarese became the coach, they don't, like – they don't wow me at all with their play. I also just think they're much older. Like, they're just an older team in terms of their impact players and I'm worried about how that's going to kind of affect them in a tournament format, uh, a lot of schedule congestion. Every World Cup, there's a team that everyone thinks is like, oh, this team's definitely going through, and then they don't. Like, we saw it with Germany. We saw it with these various – with teams in different World Cups. France did it in 2010. 
Um, it's every team that won the year before. Yeah, basically. basically. Um, Italy, Italy in 2010 after yeah. winning. Spain in 2014 after winning. Germany in 2018 yeah, after winning. And I just think so. Sorry, France. 2022 is not. I your just year. think Portland is a team like that where you look. They, they just they haven't really integrated a lot of young players into their squad, um, especially um, kind of guys to the academy and stuff like that. I think up top is still a big question for them. I believe their Polish DP Nias Goda, who didn't play the first couple games of the year, is he healthy now and and ready to go? I think for the tournament. Um, but I think there's a lot of questions with Portland, and then the Galaxy, as you said, they played really poor to start the year. They got just one point. They lost to Houston, their first game of the season. Um, they also will not have Jonah Dos Santos in what I am calling the first phantom injury. Uh, for this MLS tournament as a possible excuse to just not play in the tournament. Um, the Galaxy released that he's having minimally invasive hernia surgery and can't play in the tournament, um, which sounds like it could be an excuse for he just didn't want to play, which is fine if he didn't want to play. But regardless, Jonah Dos Santos is maybe their best player. So that's a huge loss for them. Um, they still have Pavone and Chicharito, but their defense is still an abomination. So I'm not confident in the Galaxy. And yeah, I like Houston as a as a sleeper here to finish second. So Houston uh, Pavone did actually uh, somehow steal a draw at Houston. Oh, uh, that for was the a draw. Okay, so they lost their second game. My apologies. They lost to Vancouver. Yeah, which is not great in yeah. their second game. Uh, they got a red card in that one. So yeah, not high on the Galaxy. Uh, Houston do also have uh, Darwin Quintero as kind of a you know a potential X factor. He's Shown how mercurial I like him he can as a be, late. I like him as a so late sub. Talented. I like him as a late sub. I don't like him going ninety minutes, but I like him as a late sub. That could be the case. They, I mean, that, that front four is still talented. They still got Tomas Martinez. They still got Albert Elis, Mauro Minotas. Exactly. Um, so he he could come on if they need, but the, their defense isn't there yet. But I'm excited to see if Tab Ramos can turn this Dynamo team around. Um, we saw from kind of anonymous surveys from ESPN to the MLS players that Wilmer Cabrera is the, the least favorite person to work yeah, with. Yeah, people did not like uh, him. Former Houston Dynamo coach. Uh, so it, possibly this coaching change has made the difference for them. Uh, they did get crushed 4 nothing against Sporting Kansas City in their second game after frustrating the Galaxy. Uh, I, I think just history uh, of this team, I think that what, you know they haven't strengthened that much. Uh, outside of really a coach and Darwin Quintero, uh, they lost um, to Montreal. Uh, their other winger on the other side, uh, what was his name? I'm blanking. I'm blanking on his name, Emmett. You throw me on the spot. <laughs> Why do I think it's also Quintero? No, oh, um, Kyoto. Kyoto. Romo, I know it's with Romo Kyoto. Kyoto. Not Quintero. Yeah. Uh, who has shown uh, to you. A possible X factor for Montreal going back to them, uh, and we haven't talked about some of their other wingers now that I think about Orgio Cuanqua looked like quite the talent. Yeah. Anyway, getting off getting off base here. <laughs> uh, I'm going off history here. I'm saying they haven't done enough for me recently to show you know one draw and a loss so far. I think Houston is you know it's tough to pick bottom teams. I think Cincinnati was an easy one for me. Nashville and Vancouver were easy ones. This one's a little bit less easy, but I think. Portland, Galaxy, and Houston have done themselves no favors to anybody making predictions here. To their fans, to themselves, to show that they're ready for this tournament. LAFC, their only issue will be the Galaxy. You know, they beat them once in the playoffs last year. Yeah. 
will they do it again or will they get to struggle? Uh, you know, with no fans, there'll be less atmosphere, less intensity. Uh, is one of the teams going to let off? I think it'll be the Galaxy, if either. I think the LFC have their way of playing, and it doesn't really matter where they do it. I think that style will help them in this tournament with no fans. Agreed. Uh, so now that we've kind of gotten through that, uh, and, and I put Portland second just because they have the talent. Whether or not needs go to plays, uh, and I think he could be an X factor for them. They do still have Felipe Mora at four. They still have Jeremy Bobase, who I'm not totally sold on. Uh, but they have talent. They have players. It's just, and here's the thing with these types of tournaments. Don't the key is not getting scored on. If you defend well, you can steal a goal somewhere. If you pack it in, you make it difficult, and that's what the best teams tend to do. Is they tend to get shutouts, whether you know Spain and. Germany in the 2010 and 2014 by not letting the other team even sniff the ball. Uh, France playing very counterattacking in 2018. Generally, the teams that do the best uh, have the best defenses. They give up the fewest goals. Uh, and that's not really an MLS thing. MLS <laughs> thing is, yeah, you might score two goals, but we're going to score three goals. So I wonder if we're going to see a team like Portland come out and say, you know what? Zero goals. Give up zero goals. A 0-0 tie still puts us in a position to advance. A 3-2 a two, a two loss is not. Don't give up any goals. I think that we won't see that. I think we'll see most teams playing like it's any other MLS game. Uh, so we'll see more high-scoring games, but uh, that is my prediction on... That's my Emmett's tactic corner of, this, of the episode. Uh, let's now go back and let's look at who we think our three... Uh, teams who will advance are yeah so i can give you for me yeah, go ahead. i'm gonna say uh group b i think the third place team will advance uh i think it's gonna be san jose earthquakes or fc dallas i said the earthquakes uh, just to kind of nail it down uh sporting kc in group d and the last one will be group e will be the columbus crew so we agree on columbus i have columbus as a third place team in group b um going through uh then group d i have rsl going through as well as a third place team and then finally in group c i've got montreal going through as well as a third place team so yeah those are my three the difficulty with this is i was basing it off of kind of who i thought the best teams remaining were but we have to kind of remember how this group format works yeah. uh it more so comes down to you know is there one team that's going to dominate and get Nine yeah, points. and that's kind of why I went with Group C and Group D, because I think those two groups, we see a lot of teams that are pretty even. Um, so I think the third-place teams in those groups can do pretty well. So that's part of why I went with them. Um, and then I think I just think Columbus, I think they could beat anyone in their group. I mean, I know Atlanta's a tough team, but I think they could def- – I would not be surprised at all if they beat the Red Bulls or at least took a point off the Red Bulls. I think, they, I think they're probably better than us, to be honest. In terms of actual talent, I think they are. Um, so that'll be – um, that'll be interesting to see with them as well. It, what I was doing with that is it comes down to if you have a dominant team, if you have a nine-point team, and you have a team that's going to get zero points, right? We'll, and let's take uh, we'll take Group E, for instance, as we're just talking about it. Atlanta United, nine points. Cincinnati, you say they get zero. That leaves Columbus, if they can beat Cincinnati and they can get a draw off the Red Bulls, then the Red Bulls will be tied with four points, and that will probably be enough to get them through. Yeah. I think those are the situations that are the most likely for a uh, third-place team to go through. I think when the teams are all even, you're going to see a team that draws three games, like in Group D. That's my worry for this, is that although I think that Group D has the strongest third-place team, I believe that 
it will be tough because they're gonna you know they'll lose one and draw two, that, and they'll finish third or something. That's fair. I think you could also see you know three teams finishing with five points in one of these groups, Group C or Group D. Like everybody's drawing each other, and then they beat up on the fourth team or something like that. I think that's very likely. Right, no team is a real yeah. runaway. Uh, that's certainly likely. Uh, so it's difficult because we haven't seen these this type of parity ever at a tournament like this. Yeah. Um, but there you have it. Uh, there's the predictions. Uh, we'll get back to you later in this tournament. Uh, and you can hear how bad we were at it, <laughs> where we got wrong. Uh, but since the time is right, all the MLS players are together. Patrick, I think you wanted to get a reality show going. Yes. MLS could do that. You, you could bring in some fans with a reality show. What's, what's your plan here? Emmett, I don't know why MLS hasn't already greenlit the real world MLS Orlando Bubble Edition. As a staunch lover of the real world and the challenge, I got to promote this. I feel like we need some MLS background content for all of our viewers. Put it on Twitter, put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram, put it on everything. Put some of these guys together. Show us the behind the scenes in the MLS Orlando bubble that we're all, that we're all yearning to see. Give us some high-quality content. Put some questionable characters in there. And let's see some fireworks. Let's do it, Emmett. I'm game. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not a reality TV show fan, uh, but I think that there are plenty of people who are who will get into it. <laughs> now, here is my addendum to it: is I think we should have an English speaking and a Spanish speaking group. Ooh, there you go. Because I would definitely want to see Brandon Vasquez and Ezekiel Barco in one. <laughs> As you remember, <laughs> Ezekiel Barco uh, tried to. Uh, hook up, so to speak, with Brandon Vasquez's girlfriend at the time. Yeah. When the two were at were at Atlanta United together. That's due for some drama. Yeah. I think uh, you mentioned one coach and seven players. Uh, I think Matias Almeida. Boom. Easy for the Spanish-speaking coach. The guy, he's got everything. He's got looks. Yeah. He's got hair. He's got it all. That's all you need. Oh, he shaved the head, though. He's got it all. I think he shaved oh, the no. head. I think he oh, did. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. Matias Almeida's out. Yeah. He's out. He's done. <laughs> Wilmer Cabrera, because we need someone there who can't control what's going on. He doesn't coach anyone. Has no control of the situation. <laughs> well, that's fine. He was an MLS that's guy. That's true. Uh, obviously, you need Carlos Vela. He's got the looks. He's got the hair. I had Vela. Those on, are the big things. I had Vela on there, but now it looks like he's not coming. So I'm not sure. He's not coming. Yeah. But it doesn't mean we can't in our little in our little mind bubble. MLS has their bubble. We have our that's mind true. bubble, our TV show that's bubble. That's true. Uh, Vela would have to be there. Vasquez, Barco, my Spanish-speaking group. Uh, I haven't filled that out yet. Marco Fabian. I know he's not <laughs> he's, the, he's, the union He's anymore. in Qatar somewhere, but we'll get him. <laughs> I think they just released him. Yeah, I think you're I think right, he actually. He just got released yeah. from a Saudi team. <laughs> so he's a free agent. So some MLS team needs to sign him to get him in there. All right. Uh, Albert Elise. Ooh, the Black Panther. Albert Elise is just the wild card. Yeah. Black Panther, you got to get him in there. Uh, and Luis Amar- Amaria seems like a fun, uh, fun little character. Ozzy Alonso, boom! <laughs> there you got you got the tough guy. You got Vela, who's the looks. You got Wilmer Cabrera, the wild card. You got Ezekiel Barco and Brandon Vasquez, the love interest. Oh, you got everything. You got it all. Okay, let me run down what I had because I put some real thought into this as a lover of the real world. Okay, and yes, I didn't, and Emmett's and been I going off the cuff, which I re- which I appreciate. All right, so first guy who's going to be the MVP of this show? Who we need? Recent Inter-Miami edition, Breck Shea. No question, needs to be in here. One of the weirdest, 
one of the weirdest question. personalities in all of MLS. Just Google him. Just Google any interview, any picture of Brexhay wearing his everyday just a yeah, picture his we'll everyday do. clothing. You just Brexhay needs to be in this house. So Brexhay is there. Number two, Sporting KC winger Daniel Shallowy, young player who earlier this year, but it got canceled because of the coronavirus, agreed to be in a live Kansas City Bachelor edition show that all of the Sporting Kansas City players apparently bought tickets to and were going to watch live and heckle him in the audience, but unfortunately it got canceled. But Daniel Shallowy is up for anything. I know he's often, from listening to another podcast that is not ASS, I know that he is... You listen yeah. to another yeah. podcast? It's not the American Soccer <laughs> I know, Show? I know oh, that he's frequently the butt of jokes uh, amongst the people on Sporting Kansas City. So Daniel Shallowy's got to be there. You need one of those in every house. Plus, he's willing to go on a live edition of The Bachelor. So he'd be game. Oh, that'd be my next okay. Pick, I like my it. next pick is your boy, your captain, Mr. Alejandro Bedoya, who in it who That's in an interview one. with Taylor Twelman compared this tournament to living in a luxurious prison. So I'm sure Alej- <laughs> so I'm sure Alejandro would have some some great takes about this tournament. So I, we need Ale Bedoya in there. Being with in a locker room with Ali Bedoya, the man's got a dry sense of humor, <laughs> and he just he keeps a straight face and makes it seem serious. And I never know if it's supposed to be funny, because it's almost always at someone's yes. expense. So I can't laugh at them. <laughs> so great addition there. I think we need Ali. My next addition, we need a youngin. We need someone for the young generation of fans. So I'm going with. That's not Daniel Shallowy. Yeah, no, but Daniel Shallowy is like 22 years old at this point. I'm talking youngins. So I'm going with. I'm Real going with LA, L.A. Galaxy wonder kid and maybe doesn't work super hard, Efra Alvarez. <laughs> the future. <Okay. laughs> who, <laughs> Just because he's, he's young. very young, and also he has uh, a personality as someone who maybe, he has a rep at least as maybe someone who doesn't take training super seriously. So I think that's the, uh, I think that's. So he won't take yeah, it seriously. So I think that's the kind of guy we want in our house. I also had Cade Cowell in consideration because he's literally 16 years old and he, he plays for San Jose and he scored a goal last season as a 15 year old, which is on which is unreal. So just we need we need one youth person in there, just super young teenager to give us that aspect. We need a Gen Zer, is what I'm saying, Emmett. We yeah, uh, we need okay. a Gen Zer. No millenn- no more millennials. So, millennials someone are who's out. super it's super tapped into TikTok. So then my next choice to go in the... Where's Alfonso Davies? Yeah, exactly, I wish. To go in the exact opposite direction of this, we need an old man. We need a hardo old man in this house who's going to cause problems. Yep, absolutely. So for me, the obvious choice is Mr. Kyle Beckerman of Real Salt Lake. So I'm going with Kyle Beckerman as our old man hardo. He is 38 years old, still playing in MLS, notorious, notoriously tough, tough train, tough, tough in training, you know, keeps himself in great shape. He's playing at 38 years old. That's the kind of guy I want in this house to cause some friction with some of the other guys who maybe aren't taking this seriously. His interactions with Breck Shea alone are going to be the stuff of legends. So I want Kyle Beckerman oh, in this man, house. Oh, man, I can imagine. Uh, next, I like your honorary picks. I think we need to just throw Brandon Vasquez and Ezekiel Barco in there. I had Vela initially, but 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 now but now Vela's not going to the tournament. So I think we throw Brandon Vasquez and Ezekiel Barco both in there for obvious reasons, as you alluded to. Then my final player pick is going to be a man who is literally nicknamed the Cobra, Zdenek Andrashek of FC Dallas. 
Oh, they po- someone on FC Dallas posted a Twitter video the other day of him pretending to be a DJ on the terrace of his Orlando hotel, blasting music and just pumping his hands up and forth in his own room on his own patio. So I know that Denik Andreshek is down. He's down for some good times. I think he was. I think he was on the actual uh, real world. Yeah, hold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> he's, he's a. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Right. And then I have my coach. I just so want I... to throw my coach out there. I'm going right. with Yapstam, legendary Manchester United player. His first taste of the absolute chaos that is MLS will be this absolute, absolutely ridiculous tournament. So I just need all of Yapstam's reactions to MLS in general and all of these crazy characters we got in MLS. So my coach is Yapstam. Thierry Henry was a close second, but I'm going with Yapstam. Interesting. All right, I'm in the midst of now putting together my real list. <laughs> and it's a tough one. I just had to delete someone, and I'm not telling you who it is. <laughs> but I'm going to have to fill it in later. I also am in the works of putting together the most boring real-world real world MLS. Some of them are a bit of a stretch. Christian Pulisic, Michael Bradley, <laughs> Will Trapp. <laughs> That's what I have this so is your, far. This is your white bread MLS MLS's back house. Is is those guys? The bo- the MLS's yeah. boring house. <laughs> All right, here's what I got so far. You want the youngster? I got Pax and Comical. Go. Now I know this is an audio medium, and Patrick's the only one who can see this, but I have a mustache. Pax and Pomical also has similar a mustache. mustaches. So similar mustaches, I'll say. But we both have mustaches. Two Walker Zimmerman. He looks like a frat That's boy. That's true. So, boom, you got your frat boy. Then you got Johnny Ooh, Russell. Great pick. Gotta have great a Scott pick. in there. I should have picked him. Great Gotta have great a Scott pick. in there. Uh, I, then I have uh, CJ Sapong. He seems yeah, like a good, good time. Uh, I also had Kyle Beckerman because you have to have the one yes. strict guy. Yeah, in the house. it's Beckerman. If you're having a strict guy, it's Beckerman. <laughs> See, we got everything, right? We got the Scott, we got the mustache boy. Teenager Paxton, you got the frat boy Walker, you got the fun guy CJ, you got the hard ass, you got the hard American soccer show Kyle Beckerman, you got the goofy looking guy who's good at his job Aaron Ooh, Long. Great pick, and he's a notorious prankster by the way. Good pick. Yeah, he is. Uh, you know, I've seen some videos of him. He's a, he's a goofy guy, and this was one you all saw coming. He's talented. He's small. He's cute. He's Spanish. <laughs> Carlos Heel. Are we sure he speaks English? It doesn't he, matter. We'll fully subtitle Carlos. Doesn't matter. Carlos Heel is just there yeah, to be cute. That's a great that's pick. It. He's the cute little guy. He's there. He's making his paella while everyone's messing around. Yeah. They say, Carlos, what are you up to? And he's saying something in Spanish like, just enjoying my paella. <laughs> while, Kyle, while Kyle Beckerman is, and Johnny Russell are, you know. Getting into a fist fight. <laughs> or something. <laughs> And, of course, the dad of the group, the coach, would be Bob oh, Bradley. Bob. There you go. He kind of fits in with that, uh, you know, no-nonsense approach. Uh, we'll have to get back to you next time on our most boring real world, as, of course, we have the first three contestants <laughs> there. Uh, uh, but if you have any additions that you would like to see on the real world MLS, if you think uh, our recommendations, our predictions were terrible, you can tweet us at the A Soccer Show, at at emacado 92 and at pb at pb murphy 929 anyway that's it for the american soccer show uh had a lot of fun we're glad mls is back uh it's good to have you back here Patrick, good to be back Emmett. uh on the show 
Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll be back again soon, and until next time, this is Emmett McConnell alongside Patrick Murphy, which I already said, but I'll say it again, signing off. <laughs>